acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Our numbers have swelled with Tracy and Hiro in the back row. No, it was like, it seemed like a quarter of eight, and I said, we have the priest, the deacon, we have the readers, we have the sound tech. Carolyn hadn't gotten here yet. Uh, and an usher, but nobody in the congregation. I says, oh, all right. Preach to the workers. At any rate, I'm, I'm, thank you for being here today. I really appreciate that. Uh, I want to talk to you this morning about this gospel reading. Um, Big idea today is Jesus knows no partiality and heals those in need, period. Jesus shows no partiality and heals those in need, period. We're in uh, year B, which is the Gospel of Mark. You're going to hear Mark. We heard Mark today. But I was reading this account of the healing of Jesus' mother-in-law in Luke. I just took a look at a different version of it. And I noticed that right before that, <clears throat> two other people get healed, a leper and the servant of a Gentile leader, and then Peter's mother-in-law. And it got to me to thinking, how does Jesus approach this? How does Jesus approach healing? How does he approach how he deals with other people? And as, an, as a sort of a, a model of that, I was thinking of the temple of, the, of his day. All right? So around the temple, you have the big, the big wall. Right? And uh, this was designed to keep people in their place. So the outer wall kept certain people out like the leper. Leper wasn't going to get in there. And then you had the, uh, the court of the Gentiles, the servant, the Gentile servant. He could probably get that far. And then you had the court of women. This is where the mother-in-law would have gotten, but no farther. And then you had the holy place, which is where Jewish men could go. And then you had the holy of holies. Now, the holy of holies was a very special place. Uh, it was only uh, entered one time during the year at Yom Kippur by the by the high priest. No one else could go in there. And when he went in there to make uh, supplication and atonement for the sins of the people once a year, he had a robe on with special bells at the bottom. And they tied a rope around his, his ankle. All right? And as long as the bells were ringing, they knew that he was alive. But if the bells stopped ringing, I'm not kidding. This is how it worked. When the bells stopped ringing, they knew that God had struck him dead, and they would drag him out because nobody could go into the Holy of Holies. That's how special this place was. A few years ago, some of us went to Israel, and I don't know, Paul, you were there last year, but I don't know if it's the sign is still up, but when you went up under the Temple Mount, there was a big sign that says, uh, if you're Jewish, please do not come up here because you may inadvertently step on the Holy of Holies, because we don't know exactly where it was, so please do not come on the Temple Mount. And I'm like, whoa, this is a very special place. But you see, all this was boundaries and borders and division, and you can, you can come in and you can't come in, that kind of thing. And, and it was very, here's another thing that was interesting to me. Uh, as you know, uh, the Jews were not allowed to exercise capital punishment, okay? Only the Romans could exercise capital punishment. That's why the, the leaders had to take Jesus to Pilate, because they couldn't kill him himself. There was an exception to that. 
if a Gentile crossed into a further position or place in the temple, he could immediately be killed by the Jews. The Jews had the power to kill someone who violated one of the walls of the temple. This is how seriously they took this. Jesus breaks down the walls. He heals the leper. He heals the Gentile. He heals the woman. And at the cross, he's going to split the Holy of Holies, that, that veil that separated it from the rest of the temple, four inches thick, <clears throat> four inches thick. And it, it's torn from top to bottom. And when that happens, everybody has access to God who knows and is going to come to know and love his son, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. Everybody in that cat has, can come to God anytime, anytime. You don't need to make an appointment. It's like not like getting the vaccine, okay? There's no distribution problem. He's just there. He's available. And there's no menu when you get on the phone. There's no busy signal. He's just there all the time. Doesn't ask what language you want us to talk in. Just gives you the whole thing, you know. Um, Fred, Fred Hill was here earlier. He got a vaccine this week. He was a little lightheaded, so he went home. So we just, we just prayed. I prayed for him here before he left. Didn't have to make an appointment to do that, by the way. Guy just showed up. You know, it's like what before I do, before I start talking on a Sunday, I'll say, Lord, empty me of myself and fill me with your Holy Spirit that I might preach this word in power and truth. That's my prayer before I open my mouth and say, may the words of my mouth. That's just me. But God is there and he hears that and he honors that. <clears throat> He's the great wall breaker. And he's let, he let in one who was physically excluded, racially excluded, and sexually excluded. And these are the ones that he heals first. Not the elites. Not the upper crust or the upper class, but the people that nobody wants anything to do with. I got to thinking, who are the outsiders of our time? It's a really a strange turn of events these days. Um... Bible-believing Christians are the outsiders in our culture today. It's interesting to me. It wasn't like that 10, 15 years ago. Um, we're counterculture now. So people who have a, a, a biblical worldview of issues that go against the prevailing grain um, can find themselves attacked, canceled, whatever it might be. And it's just uh, uh, it, it's almost reverting back to the earliest days of the church. When you, had, when you had these Christians who had a divided loyalty, a divided loyalty. And so in the Roman Empire, what did the, what did the empire want? They wanted complete loyalty to Caesar. Well, now you have somebody who's a Christian. So there's Caesar and there's King Jesus, right? And if it comes down to a choice between Caesar and King Jesus, the Christians, the real ones, would go with King Jesus. Well, that can't have that. And so they were persecuted for that. And you may come a day when we might be asked to honor Caesar and make a choice between the government and King Jesus. And I'm praying with all my heart that God's people choose King Jesus. You know, we'll see. 
So in our gospel today, the disciples tell Jesus about Peter's mother-in-law. Mothers-in-law get a bad rap. Mm-hmm. Oh, poor Nancy. Yes. Um, too many jokes. There's but of too many jokes, I think. My, I had a wonderful mother-in-law. You have a wonderful mother-in-law. Just saying. Jane Golkowski, when I first got married, I said to her, what do you want me to call you? And she looked at me, and she said, well, you're not going to call me Jane. I said, well, I'm not calling you Mom. And I said, I know. I'll call you Mill, mother-in-law. And for 40-some years, I called her Mill, and her husband was Phil. Father-in-law, Mill and Phil. And they would sign birthday cards, Mill and Phil. So for all that time, I called them Mill and Phil. So I've always had a special place in my heart for mothers-in-law. She doesn't pray. She's not asked if she believes that Jesus can heal. Peter and his family are not asked if they believe for her. No conditions are recorded here. They tell him that she's sick. She goes upstairs. He takes her by the hand. And she gets up. Jesus heals her simply because he wanted to heal her. This is unsolicited mercy. And we often learn that the mercy of God acts without being asked. He knows our needs. He knows our heart. He knows what is weighing us down and burdening us. And he wants to help relieve that. Now, we get into a dialogue and an interaction, and we do pray, but there are a lot of times that Jesus just does what he's going to do without our asking. We must not load the scales of faith with too much freight, as though God would not work unless we or someone else believes or prays just enough. You ever have somebody say, you just didn't have enough faith? You just didn't have enough faith. If you'd only had a little bit more faith, that so-and-so would have been healed or cured or whatever it might be and put the onus back on you, you know. The worst of that, this is a little bit different, but I was when I was in Pittsburgh in seminary, I was at West Penn Hospital for 10 weeks in the summer for clinical pastoral education. And there was a young couple, and the baby died at birth. And this minister, their minister comes in, and he says to them, the reason that your baby died is because of unconfessed sin in your lives. They're still in the hospital. Can you imagine? The reason you didn't get killed because you don't have enough faith, Cynthia. If you had more faith, everything would be fine. People think this. They say that to people. Jesus heals when asked to or when he just does it. Sometimes we know about the faith of the person, and sometimes we don't. But nevertheless, we do pray, communicate. Note that when Peter's mother's mother-in-law is healed, she gets up and she serves them. Um, the word for fever that they use is fire. She is very, very sick. It's not like she had a headache. She is really, really 
sick. And he, he picks up her, he touches her hand, and she gets up, and she's healed. And the first thing that she does, because she doesn't need any recovery time. Kathy's going through recovery time right now from COVID, just getting her strength back. Let me tell you, it's been tough, but she's getting a lot better. She just gets up and starts to serve. Somebody said we're saved to serve. It, 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 it wasn't her service that released Jesus' grace. It was his grace that released her service. You know? God's activity in our lives changes us. One of my very favorite stories is A Christmas Carol. Charles Dickens. Ebenezer Scrooge. And at the very end of the book, the ghost of Christmas future is there, and he's in the cemetery, and he looks down and he sees his gravestone. And he throws himself on the gravestone, and he says over and over and over, I'm not the man I was. I'm not the man I was. I'm not the man I was. And he wakes up in his bed. He doesn't know if he had a bad dream, but he is not the same person that went to bed. God got a hold of him. That is really a gospel story. That's, a, that's an evangelistic story, if you really read it that way. Christians was a very strong Christian. God changes us. We're not the same after we encounter him. I'm different. How are you different than you used to be before you knew him? You know? And when God heals you, remember, you didn't do anything to deserve it. It's not that you gave a big gift to the building fund or you spent extra time doing something for the church as, and that you got this as a reward. Hopefully, when we do things, we do things because that's who we are. This is who God has called us to be. This is the new me. And I'm not doing things to get something in return. You know, I'm not doing things to get something back for what I'm doing, keeping score. I said this to, to Elton the other day. Uh, somebody said, I couldn't believe you went to see so-and-so. They weren't even a member of the church. I always say, if it matters to you, it matters to me. And then I told Elton, here's my test. I said, would I do this for Elton Clemens? And if the answer is yes, I'll do it because he's one of my favorite people. And there's a bunch of other people. I'd probably say the same thing about Ferguson or, you know, somebody else, Wilkerson. I don't know. But if I do it for him, then I'll do it for you. Which pretty much means I just do it, you know. And I don't check your giving record. Some guys do. Some guys do. Before they go to the hospital, they check your giving record. The minister, 
His mercy and grace just are free. I remember a guy that got healed years ago, and after it happened, he said, why me? Oh, it was Mr. Ferguson. So he goes to see Keith Barron, falls down, gets up. The frozen shoulder is healed after five years. Oh, that was a story. Won't go into the whole thing now, but Paul says to me at that night, he says, ever tell you I've got a frozen shoulder? I said, no. He says, yeah, I can't do this. Five years, I can't do this. But then he said, why me? Why me? I said, because you are such a curmudgeon. I did. I said, when God gets a hold of you and you're transformed, you're going to have such an influence on people that know you. It's going to be incredible. And it's true. I'm not being mean. I'm just, that's the way it is. But Paul was like, why, why me? Why did I get that? Because God is going to use that in a very powerful way. And our story today goes on to heal many. Jesus is a healer. We often think of healing in physical terms. You know, that, that whole thing with Keith Barron would, would come. I remember Ann Allen got healed of pulmonary fibrosis, and Ann McKenzie got healed of a heart condition, and uh, Bryce Four got healed of an, eye, of an eye problem, and Paul got healed of various things. Terry Senior got healed of a back issue. I mean, just over and over and over, people got healed of things. So we think of healing in a physical way. Remember, Keith came here... November 2019, I think. We had a big meeting. People were here. Jennifer DeHaan, a physical therapist, brought a patient of hers, and it's a guy sitting in a, in a, like a big wheelchair, but high up like that. And she wheeled him, and he was right here. And then we started to pray, <coughs> and Keith and I prayed for this guy. The thing was, he couldn't talk, and he couldn't move his hands. Couldn't move his arms, and he couldn't speak. His wife is sitting there, and he's here, and, and Kathy was there, and, and I'm, we're moving down this way. And all of a sudden, I hear Kathy go, what? And we all turned, and the guy is like this. And then he turns to his wife, and he starts talking to his wife right here. And then he looked at Kathy, and he says, but I can't do this. And she said, well, you can now. And he could, because Jesus healed him. You know, I don't know what his spiritual condition was, but we often think of healing as just that, physical. <clears throat> can also heal other ways besides physically. Broken hearts are his specialty. I don't know if anybody here has a broken heart or ever had a broken heart, but God can work on that. God can heal that. Salvation is the word sozo in Greek, sozo. And it's interesting because the word salvation, sozo in Greek, means healing. That's what the word salvation means healing, being made whole. That's the whole point. And things today seem so fractured and broken, whether it's COVID, um, national situation, families, 
church, whatever it might be. And the reigning emotions seem to be doubt and discouragement for so many people. Just this week, I, I learned of a, of a young boy, a uh, high school senior, committed suicide. He was the quarterback of his football team and had 11 offers for different universities and colleges to go play ball. But he'd been in his room for months. Zooming, not being with anyone. Breaks your heart. It's unnecessary. It's needless. It really is. Jesus can heal those parents. And I pray that they know him. So that idea of doubt and discouragement, don't give in to that. That's, this is what we're dealing with, too, is a, is a huge spiritual war. The enemy is taking advantage of every opportunity to undermine the faith that God's people have in him. Be aware of that. The bottom line is that God wants us to be whole, healed, and of use in his kingdom. And regardless of the barriers that we encounter, Jesus can use us. There are no outsiders to him, and he extends his mercy to all who seek him, sometimes even to those who do not seek him. But he's always merciful, and as the Bible says, a contrite heart he will not despise. So I don't know where you're hurting today. We're all hurting in some ways. Come to the healer and be healed. He will not fail you.
Amen. Got in my belt, we. Won't go. Good. All right, we're going to do the prayers of the people and the confession. So please stand. Let us pray for the church and for the world, responding, hear our prayer. <clears throat> Almighty God, guide and strengthen, we pray, Justice, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Bishop Vitalis, Bishop Peter, Jerry, our prefect, and our clergy, Don, Tom, Brian, John, Shirley, Karen, and Peg. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we ask your blessing on the music ministry of this parish. Bless Brian, Carolyn, Joel, and Margaret as they lead this vital means of worship. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. 